0: All right. Um, One second. Mark, I'm turning off your amp. It started buzzing again. All right, so at this time we're going to have our first message brought to us by Ken Barton. What about this Sabbath thing? I was reading something the other day that I I liked it said it takes six or seven men to pick you up, lift you up at your funeral just think how wonderful it would be if you had six or seven men or just people lifting you up while you're alive you know and I thought I could probably do that help lift somebody up. We could all probably do that. If there's enough of us doing that, then people are going to have at least six or seven lifting them up. I like that, so I thought I'd share it with you. So what about this Sabbath thing? I don't know how many of you are making use of the Churches of God Outreach Ministries Bible Correspondence course, but I sincerely hope that there are many of us doing that. Why? Because to me, these are laid out very well, and they lead the students, and that would be us, through the scriptures and explain things that need explaining. Lesson 23, which I recently finished, basically gives a synopsis of the weekly Sabbath and the seven annual Sabbaths. Sort of whets your appetite for having more, don't you know? I'm on lesson number 24 now which is focused on God's holy weekly Sabbath. The neat thing about 23 leads into 24s on the Sabbath and 25s on the next, the first annual, and the next annual will be the next book, and the next annual will be the next book. Good reading. I haven't actually read those parts. You'll have to talk to Glenda. She's read them. She's getting ready to lap me on... <laughs> catching up to me again. She started over. But anyway, we know something about this Sabbath thing, don't we, this weekly Sabbath. And uh, it kind of sets us apart from the mainline Christians because most of the other churches, the mainline churches, the Sunday churches, they don't observe it. Sometime back, I shared with you guys how uh, Joyce Meyer explained how they came to observe Sunday worship. It was really interesting. I thought about digging out the, the CD. I've got it on and, and brought it. And, and But anyway, she was telling people she was talking to about how the Jews wait until the seventh day to give their offerings because they're greedy and they only cared about money and keeping it as long as they could. Where the Christians, they wanted to worship God on the first day, Sunday, to show God that they put him first. Now, one thing I couldn't figure out is how do you tithe on nothing? Because God is all-knowing. And one thing that God set in place was how and when to give. Tithes to God, right? And he knows you can't give ten percent of what you don't have yet. He's a pretty wonderful, God. He said, "If you don't, you, you tithe on the increase. You don't get any increase, you don't tithe, because there's nothing there." He's a wonderful God. And they don't observe it because they follow the laws of the Catholic Church. I don't recall Joyce saying that, but that's what the Catholic Church said. She also didn't go into the real history of how Sunday worship came to be. Not the fairy tale about Jesus being raised on Sunday, making that the Lord's Day, and everybody just automatically shifted to that day. What really happened is that Constantine decreed that Christianity would be the religion. Period. And if you didn't observe Sunday religion, Sunday worship, but kept observing God's Sabbath, or in any way tried to recruit people into Judaism, which is not what they were doing. They were just worshiping God according to how God said. But according to the decree, if you did anything that had to do with Judaism, then you were pushing it off on people, and they would kill you. And they meant it. And they did it. Strongly enforced that. Thing is, God had long before already decreed something else. Hadn't he? Too bad Peabody and Sherman. Y'all remember those? The cartoons. And the uh, the dog and his boy Sherman. They didn't get in the wayback machine and go see how God set it up. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. We're not going to read the rest of the chapter one right now, but I will read the last verse, 31st verse. Then God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, what to do next? Can't you almost hear Sherman say, Mr. Peabody, what happened next? Then the dog would say, I know, let's move to chapter 2, Genesis 2, 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. After created everything in six days, Jesus ceased creating. Why? Because the work was finished. So he rested on the seventh day, blessing and sanctifying it because he, because he rested on that day. Now, did you happen to note who it was that did all the creating and then rested? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. John 1.1 is telling us that Genesis 1.1 is talking about Jesus. Genesis 2.2 tells us Jesus rested on that day. That's Shabbat, Strong's number H, 7673. Strong states it's a primitive root that means to rest, to repose, that is, to desist from exertion. So why the Sabbath? God established the Sabbath for a reason, which really goes without saying, since pretty much everything God does, he does for a reason. The reason to establish it as a sign between the Israelites, actually all of mankind, and God. Exodus 16:23 is the first time that Moses uses the word Shabbat, which is H7 Hebrew word 76:76, 76, 76. and he tells the Israelites that the seventh day is the rest, the Shabbathon, H76:77. I love my e-sword; I can look this stuff up. Anyway, and it is specifically the sabbath according to lesson 24 and i strongly agree god did this to set an example for mankind to by ceasing from all work on that seventh day in order to set apart every future seventh day as a time of rest for man so long before constantine in exodus 31:13 the Lord told Moses this, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and your generations, I'm sorry, between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Everyone, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. I just wondered, you know, if you, if you were to, working for a company and you said, you know, by the way I don't work on Saturdays. I actually don't work Friday at dark until Saturday at dark. And he said, Nope, you gotta show up. Said, well you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hire something, put put out an ad one for help. And then you'd say, Why? It's because God's gonna kill me. <laughs> That'd be an interesting way. <clears throat> anyway, therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony. Moses was the first one, God was the first one to use the tablet. (laughs) Anyway... Tablets of stone written in the finger of God. Isn't that something? Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing those. That seems to me to be about as clear as anybody can get. There are those who would say that Pentecost and the bringing of salvation to the Gentiles did away with that, but it did not. What it did was bring the Gentiles into the family of God, grafting them into the Israelites' tree with the end goal of bringing the Israelites back in, it did not turn the Israelites into Gentiles. Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And I'm going through uh, 24 all the way to 24 on this. Um, Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Think about that. For I speak to you, Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some of them. For if there, the Israelites, being cast away, is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So did God bring the Gentiles in in order to draw... Away the Gentiles from obeying God's commandments? No. God's commandments are everlasting. So the idea that God's going to turn everything over to the Gentiles and do away with the Israelites and everything that he had established is absolutely ludicrous. Lesson 24 refers to the fourth commandment as the test commandment. That brought brown M&M's to my mind. Do you know God knows about brown almonds? Of course, He does. He knows about everything. But I'm I'm wanting you to think about God's fourth commandment in this manner. And I copied this from an article written by Shauna W. that I found on UltimateClassicRock.com. And in it, she explains why the band Van band Van Halen had this concert writer in their contract. <clears throat> David Lee Roth told her that they demanded a bunch of big bowls all around the backstages and in their dressing rooms and wherever, full of M&M's. And in this contract, he stated clearly that, that shir- there shall not be a single brown M&M in any of the bowls, no brown M&M's. In the contract, If it was found, if they found a brown M&M, concert promoter would be forced to forfeit their earnings, pay Van Halen for the entire tour, everything. But they can go home. They don't have to do any more touring. They don't have to play anything else. Then just go home and get it all immediately. Still earn all that money, right? It was actually a test. David Lee Ross said, since Van Halen's stage shows were elaborate productions with 850 lights alone. <clears throat> the contracts included lengthy complex instructions and the brown M&M thing was just buried somewhere at random in the contract. <clears throat> if it was ignored, that meant the promoter hadn't thoroughly read the band's contract which foretold possibly dangerous problems with stage setup. If they didn't have the right size steel supports, strength steel supports, those huge speakers could fall, possibly on them, killing them. And they had uh, performed at one place that the arena had put in this brand new cushioned floor. And in in their specs that they give to the places they're going to play. They tell exactly how much everything weighs and how much of it there is. They didn't bother reading that at this uh, place they were going to, and so it ruined their brand new floor. They were upset. I don't think Van Halen cared a whole lot because they told him. Now, back to the wilderness where it all started. Exodus 16.1. And they journeyed from Elam And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, and they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. And they ate bread to the full, for you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Brown M&M, spoke. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And we'll jump to 16:16. This is the right thing. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent Then the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he he who had gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack, as long as they got an omer per person. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. What did he say? I don't know, something about eating it. Some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was angry with them. David Lee Roth threw a fit one time when he found a brown M&M and he destroyed his waiting room. I mean did a lot of damage. He was very angry because they didn't pay any attention. So anyway, so they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. Just went away. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, And he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Pretty clear, right? Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil. And lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but none on the, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days, that every man remain in his place, that no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Jesus talked about God's law in Matthew chapter 5, 17 through through 19. Do not think that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, I think we're talking the fourth one here, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Many have come to this congregation because we strive to serve God according to his word. People are paying attention, and they're watching and wanting to learn. It's what brought Glenda and I here over 20 years ago. The thing is, we need to keep refreshing our knowledge every so often because we forget details. And that can be disastrous. As most of you know, I was a firefighter with the city of Tulsa Fire Department for 34 years. Of those, about 27 years, I was stationed at the Tulsa International Airport Crash Rescue Station. We don't have it anymore, but that's a different story. Every year, we knew we were going to have at least one fire. You know why? because the FAA wanted to be sure we could figure out how to put that stuff out. We had to prove we could recognize fire. Not hard, look, for the pile of smoke is pointing down to it. But we had to deal with them properly and within certain time limits. Flammable liquid fires. We had our own instructors stationed there to keep us up to date with our training. Because the FAA realized over the years that if the basics aren't covered on a regular basis, things can go bad quickly. Guess what? As a Christian, if we don't keep up on our training in God's Word, things can get ugly quick, too. We observe God's Sabbaths and His holy days, don't we? I believe that is even it is even more important that we regularly go over the basics of them, because God tells us they are important. Why does he say that? Because God warns us there is a fire coming in the future that is unquenchable. Even the Tulsa Fire Department will be able to put this one out. The way to deal with that fire is to avoid it. The way to avoid it is to believe God and follow his word. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was strictly observed because the Israelites knew that God meant what he said. I really recommend that you check out the book of Nehemiah. He was a man who truly believed God. He was appointed by King Artaxerxes to be the governor over Jerusalem. In his writings, he tells about the Israelites' return to Jerusalem after their captivity and what they went through. He worked with the priests and the people and basically brought about revival. That's my words. But it wasn't easy. He noticed that they were not sanctifying the Sabbath. So here's a little little homework assignment for you guys. Read Nehemiah 13 and see how he handled that. And think of the difference that would make if we had a desire to serve God like that.